What you see is what you get. Hello, my name is Pastor Chris Miller, and I am your host on the PC Speaking Podcast, where we are equipping Christians for life. Hello, and welcome once again to the PC Speaking Podcast. Glad to have you along. Well, this week, we are in Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be looking at verses 13 through 27, where Jesus wraps up the Sermon on the Mount. We'll go ahead and read those to kick off today. So starting in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, the Bible says, Enter at the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who are going through it, because small is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes from thorns or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a corrupt tree bears evil fruit. A good tree cannot bear evil fruit, nor can a corrupt tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruit, you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonderful works in your name? But then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice evil. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded a rock. And everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be likened to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and its fall was great. Well, this passage uh, is the conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount, by far the most well-known sermon ever, uh, by a long shot. People quote the Sermon on the Mount without even realizing that's what they're doing. Uh, the Golden Rue, treating people like you want to be treated yourself comes from the Sermon on the Mount. Um, you could give the Sermon on the Mount a lot of credit for the concepts of things like fairness, inequality, um, scripture, the backbone of Western culture, the Bible is. And uh, a lot of that can be found in the Sermon on the Mount. It's the most well-known sermon and likely one of the most spoken about written about passages of scripture. Um, If you are a Christian and you have been one for a while, you have probably heard, read, listened to some material on the Sermon on the Mount. Well, and hopefully you've actually read it. And as Jesus brings all the concepts of the Sermon on the Mount together to close it out, he uses some metaphors, gates, trees, and houses. And you could probably say he uses the path that leads to the gate as well. But there's a narrow gate and a wide gate. One leads to life, the other to destruction. Trees that produce good fruit and bad fruit. One's cut down and thrown into the fire. Houses, one built on the sand, the other on the rock. One stands against the storm and one collapses. And the thing about these metaphors is they look mostly the same on the surface, but the reality is, is they are very different to each other. And one gate's wide, the other's small. You could say the same about the roads leading to those gates. Uh, The trees look similar until you observe the fruit they produce, one good, one bad, 
and the houses. You know, they would look the same. And both stand until they are hit by a storm. And Jesus is using these metaphors to show us that there are basically two categories of people who look similar, but are very fundamentally different. And the difference is reflected in the road a person follows, the fruit they produce, and the foundation upon which they build their life. And Jesus, in this passage, because these metaphors look similar, but they're fundamentally different, what he's doing is he's pushing past what we look like on the outside and bringing out who we are on the inside and why we're that person. As he often does, he's calling us to meditate on more than just what we do, but who we really are. And Jesus is speaking to the matter of our identity and where we find it and not what we show the world, not what we post on social media, but who we actually are. And a tree may go for some time without fruit, but when the conditions are right, the tree produces fruit. And you can you know, tell the tree by the fruit and everyone eventually passes through one of the gates Jesus talks about. And those houses, each one eventually is gonna be subjected to a storm at some point. One will stand, one will fall. And the metaphor is using the metaphors to describe people. People are very similar to that. We put forth an impression of who we would like people to think we are, but that may or may not line up with reality. And when the time comes, the road we're on, the fruit we produce, the foundation on which we have built becomes apparent. And one of the things that Jesus says in this passage is a pretty well-known verse, I suppose, but it's something I've thought about for a long time. I've put a lot of thought into it, kind of shifted my thinking over time a bit about it, but it's what he says in verses 22 and 23. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonderful works in your name? But then Jesus says to them, he says, but then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice evil. When Jesus says that, I think one of the most important things we can do with that passage passage is figure out who he's talking about exactly. And from a Christian perspective, there are two very fundamental categories of people, two basic categories of people, those who belong to Jesus and those who don't. And the important thing to learn from this passage is that some people look religious and they even do religious things, but they're actually in the latter category of people. And Jesus is prophesying that they will say to him that they've done many things in his name, but he tells them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice evil. And that's a pretty terrible thing to hear. And they are people who would claim to be Christians. They are probably people who have been baptized. They're involved in a church. They probably read their Bible. They claim to do things in the name of Jesus. They even refer to Jesus as Lord. And when they call Jesus Lord, they say it twice, Lord, Lord. That's emotion. They're passionate. They're emotionally involved and invested. And they say to Jesus, you know, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name and done all these wonderful things in your name? So that shows me that they've been actively involved in ministry of some kind, some kind of, you know, religious activity. They're, they're passionate about it, maybe even excited about it. And to these people, Jesus says, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice evil. And we can see in what Jesus says that there are people 
claiming to be followers of Jesus, passionately, you know, doing ministry of some sort who don't know Jesus. There are people who look like Christian people who do Christian things and have been doing so for a long time, but they're lost. They don't know Christ. And one of the things about this verse is it's that it's a very easy verse to point elsewhere, to turn on other people. You know, sometimes that's done between denominations. It's done, you know, just between people. But when we read these verses, scripture is, you know, 99% mirror. And we need to think on these things for ourselves. We should think about, you know, what road are we on? Where are we planted? What fruit do we produce? Upon what foundation have we built? In the lives of the people Jesus addresses in verse 22 and 23, there is obviously religious activity. There's a lot going on there, casting out demons, um, doing wonderful works in the name of Jesus, all these things. But there's no spiritual connection with Jesus. And there never has been. Jesus says, I never knew you. Not I knew you at one point, but you did something wrong. And then we had a falling out and things change. And no, he says, I never knew you. Jesus says there are many people like that. He says many people, people claiming to be Christians who don't know Jesus. They call him Lord. They're emotional. They're excited, passionate, whatever you like to call it, but they don't know Jesus. They know what to do. They know what to say. They know the answers to the questions, but Jesus says, I never knew you. And at that point, it's too late to change things. So, you know, when you think about that, think about you, me, people in church, can people be religious and lost? You know, obviously the answer is yes. There are a lot of religious people in the world who don't know Jesus, but we're talking about people who call Jesus Lord. Can someone call Jesus Lord and not know him as Savior? Apparently so. In all these metaphors that Jesus uses in the, you know, the gates and the house and in the trees, we, we have a tendency to think of religious works, moral behavior. We tend to compare the moral versus immoral, good, bad, we imply these things in such a way that we say something along the lines of, you know, the wise man who builds his house on the rock is the religious moral person who goes to church, knows his Bible, follows the rules and lives a good life. And maybe it is true that someone's life is better because they made good moral decisions. You know, that's that's a very real possibility. But what about the good moral person whose life collapses? What about the good moral person who suffers for no apparent reason? What about the person who makes good decisions, but their life collapses and it's not their fault? Decisions and consequences matter, but I don't think that's the point that Jesus is making in this passage. I think he's teaching the opposite of what we tend to think about it. I believe what Jesus is telling us is that if you're building a bridge to God through your own morality, it will collapse because your morality is sand. Jesus says there are many like that. I, you know, I think they care. They believe in the existence of God. They do good things. They're nice people. But they believe if they do enough good things, Jesus will say, that's good enough. 
but that's not what he says. He says, depart from me. Now, it's possible to believe in God, be a moral person, and yet never have believed the gospel. It's possible to be religious and not know Jesus. It's possible to call yourself a Christian and not be a follower of Jesus. You can hear the gospel, but not be changed by it. And when you look at these metaphors that Jesus uses, they look very similar. And, you know, by just looking, we wouldn't necessarily be able to know the difference between someone who does and doesn't know Jesus. And that's why Jesus uses two things that are similar to show contrast. They look similar, but they're not the same thing. In verses 13 and 14, Jesus says, enter at the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who are going through it because small is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, if you only see one gate, if you're looking at a gate, you know there's another gate somewhere, but you don't really know if you're looking at the big gate or the small gate, the wide gate, narrow gate. The tendency is to think religious work and moral behavior is the small gate the good fruit, the solid foundation. But it's not. It's actually the other way around. Jesus isn't using this as a metaphor to compare good and bad behavior. And the language he uses here for narrow and destruction and small has to do with the idea of restriction and being crushed. And I've, I've kind of dug into this and I don't know if I can explain it that well. I, I hope to. I just kind of dug into it. Of course, I dug into it. But... <laughs> The language he uses, it's almost like a python. We have a lot of those around here on the Gold Coast. Just about everybody has a python in their attic. But it's this, this being crushed, the restriction, narrow, it's almost like a python, making it hard to breathe. And if you view the narrow path and gate as morality, it will be crushing. And from that view, it would be you know, a crushing and restrictive task to work hard enough and do well enough to make it. Um, and the narrow way and gate seem restrictive, but the reality is, is that the narrow way, the narrow gate lead to freedom, life, and room to breathe. The wide gate and broad road seem easy. They're roomy and easy to move around on, but ultimately they lead to being crushed and restricted and robbed of breath. And uh, what may seem restrictive and narrow actually opens up into breath and life. And what seems like it would be unrestricted and broad actually leads to being crushed and able, unable to breathe. The broad road isn't bad people and the narrow road isn't good people. There are two trees that look the same, but one bears good fruit, the other doesn't. Two houses that look the same, but the foundation is different. And Jesus is talking about two different roads that look the same on the surface. Remember that people who are saved, believers, also call Jesus Lord. And a lot of believers and unbelievers look very similar. Saved and lost religious people look a lot alike and do many of the same things. They can stand in church together. They can sing the same songs. They can do the same things. The two different gates, trees, houses, and the people look a lot alike, but they're fundamentally different. And we can broaden those definitions and, and make similar application. Um, you know, every man-made religion, form of spirituality, believes that if you do the right things, then your God or the universe or, or whatever, you call it what you like, responds by doing good things for you. 
that's really the premise of just about every system of spirituality and religion. And that's the pattern of man-made religion and spirituality. What goes around comes around. You know, it's basically the same thing. And when you do a good job, your God, the universe, whatever, does a good job for you. But that's the broad road to destruction. The broad road is any man-made attempt to make yourself righteous. Ironically, the broad road is often paved with morality. It's paved with good intentions, but it leads to being crushed by the weight of trying to do enough good things to gain righteousness. But the gospel says, I'm completely loved. I'm completely accepted in Jesus. And when I believe and accept his gospel, I'm set free to live for God. I'm set free. I can breathe. I'm no longer trying to live under the the weight of my own attempt at being good enough. And there may be some genuinely selfish people out there, but I know I'm not one of them. And in a belief system that says, if I do the right thing, then God does things for me. When I do something good, I'm, I'm ultimately doing it so God will do the same thing for me. It's a very selfish system of thought. But if I'm wholly loved and accepted by God through the gospel of Jesus, I don't have to do anything for me because Jesus has already done it. And then when I do do good things, it's for other people because I love God and I love people. And the broad road ends up being crushing, restrictive. Um, it doesn't seem that way at first, but the narrow road that says Jesus is the only way actually leads to um, life and freedom. It lifts the burden of that self-righteous behavior. And from the outside looking in, saved and unsaved religious people are often doing the same thing but they're doing things for completely different reasons, different motivations. Even though they look similar, you know, the the tree's roots are not in the same soil. The houses are not on the same foundation. The roads lead to different places, even though they look very similar. Those two ways of life have completely different motivations and results. Some people believe they are saved by God's grace and have been set free to live for God. Others are trying to be good, as good as possible, as a means of trying to control a desperate situation. Oh, I have to be good enough, so I'm accepted by God. And Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, you know, some people will come before the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, look at everything I've done, when all they had to do was look to Jesus and recognize he paid it all. People say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Haven't we done many wonderful works in your name? And as they say that, think about what they're actually saying to Jesus. It reminds me a little bit of the the, uh, parable of the prodigal son and the older brother. He says to his father, you know, I've done all this stuff for you. And when the people in this passage say to Jesus, Lord, Lord, look at all we've done in your name, what they're really saying is, look at everything I've done for you. You owe me. And they probably know Jesus is a good teacher, a great example, a prophet. He says good things, all that stuff, but they don't know him as Savior. And they claim to be Christian. They're religious people doing religious things. They're trying to be their own Savior. And that's the broad road. Now, why does the narrow road look narrow? And it does to most people. And it looks like John 14, 6. 
where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. One way, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. Definite article there. He's the one. He is the only way. And when you recognize that and hear that, the gospel seems too restrictive because of that. Jesus is the only way. That's it. And I hear people say, uh, religion's all about control. And that's because their view is a broad road view. Someone on the broad road says things like, God accepts everyone as long as they're a good person. But that, that's just another form of works religion. Who is good? What standard do you use? And the problem there is there's no good people. Well, at least not that good. It's somewhat relative, of course. There are people you and I would say are good people, but by God's perfect standard, they're not good enough. And the gospel is the only thing that offers what we really need. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, which is very narrow. We only come to the Father through him. There's only one way, but Jesus is the way to freedom. Freedom from the burden of doing enough works to gain God's favor. Through the gospel, you are accepted in Christ. But if you try to gain acceptance by what you do, it it's stifling. You know, it's it's eventually gonna, it's hard to breathe, eventually gonna choke you to death. Building your house on the sand is building on anything but Jesus. And we need to reflect on that and think about, you know, what road am I on? And someone says, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And someone else says, well, I'm a good person. Someone else says there are many ways to God. It's all the same broad road. And there is a coming day when everyone will stand before Jesus. And Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we, haven't we done all these things in your name? And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice evil. And he's talking specifically in this case about religious people who claim to be Christians. They call Jesus Lord. And Jesus says on that day, that day is coming. And if you don't know Jesus as your savior, you are on the broad road. And the narrow road is so narrow that it can only be traveled one at a time. You come to Jesus alone, not with your husband or your wife, your mother, your father, your family, or the church that you've attended while you're on earth. And we need to think about that. Which road am I on? Which road are you on? The narrow gate leads to broad freedom in Jesus. And the broad road leads to restriction. And it's stifling. And Jesus wants us to do good stuff. You know, we're not writing that off and live a moral life. And all of that does matter. All of that does matter. It's kind of like the Israelites in the Old Testament. I was talking to somebody yesterday after church about this, and they gave me an example of um, when God rescued the Israelites from slavery. He rescued them first, and then he gave them the law, which I thought was such a great analogy. I was like, man, I wish I would have had that for the sermon, but well, here we have it today. So that's how God works. Rescue first, you're rescued, you're saved. Then you work on doing the good moral things. Imagine, look at it like this. Imagine that you get paid for doing moral and good things. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? The world would be, well, a better place. You have a savings account. And every time you keep a a command, every time you do something right, there's a deposit that's made into that account. And 
if you save up enough funds in that account, you can purchase your ticket, you can purchase your place in heaven with Jesus. But the struggle is, is you don't know how much it's going to take. So you try really hard your whole life. You do as much good stuff as you possibly can. You just hang tight to those commandments. You you struggle. You, you know, just, you don't spend any extra money at all. You live like a university student your whole life. You live on instant noodles and peanut butter so you can spend as little as possible and put as much money as you can in that account. And you build a big savings account, which you would over the course of a lifetime living like that. You know, you stack up some cash in there. And then on that day, the day Jesus talks about, you stand before Jesus and you say to him, look at how big my account is. And that's what the people are doing in this passage. They're saying, look at all these great things we've done, Lord. All these things we've done in your name. Look how, look how much I've saved up in my account. But then Jesus says, it's not enough. It's not enough. He says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice evil. And then some joker walks up with almost no funds in their account. And Jesus says, hey, welcome, come on in. And you say, how did you get in? You can't possibly have enough to buy your way in. And they answer, I didn't pay anything. Jesus paid it all. That's how the gospel works. And that's the narrow road. So I'm going to leave you with this today. I want you to think about which road are you on? The broad road, the narrow road. Are you relying on your own works to be right with God? Or are you relying wholly on Jesus? Because Jesus has purchased your redemption with his blood. And you can't pay a higher price than that. You have to turn to him and rest in him. Well, thank you again for taking the time to tune in and listen today. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Let me know what you think in the comments. Please consider subscribing and sharing this with someone who might find it helpful. 